HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn. This week on Meet and 3, we rethink surplus by exploring how innovators are promoting sharing mindsets and responding to excess in creative ways. The whole life cycle of food would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter behind China and the United States if it were a country. You know, in the age of COVID, where a lot of those institutional processors did grind to a halt and a lot of farms had to dump milk in Pennsylvania, even while supermarket cases were, were bare, the organic market stayed strong. They source all these ingredients, they do all of this work, and then they just boil it for a few minutes and then they throw it away. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Alex Center, designer and founder of the branding company Center. Prior to launching his own studio, Alex spent 11 years working for Coca-Cola, where, as design director, he led the strategy and design vision for the brands Vitamin Water, Smart Water, and Powerade. Over his career, Alex has designed packaging that has been in the hands of millions of people. Today, his team at Center is building the next generation of iconic brands, including United Sodas of America, Hayware, Very Good Light, Kin Euphorics, Wild Good, The Infatuation, House, and Conbody. Welcome, Alex. Hi, Allison. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I mean, the story of how I got to you, I mean, basically, I think, did you listen to my United Sodas of America I did. interview? Yeah. So mm -hmm. I basically became very obsessed and then went down, I think, several rabbit holes, found you, found you on LinkedIn, sort of messaged you, and fortunately, you wrote back after a little while. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you sent me that message in like... What feels like 20 years ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But, but the cool thing is that I, I think, you know, 
I have this like weird sort of relationship with brand, like in general, where I feel like when there isn't sort of a good product behind it, I sort of resent like a brand only. But when there's a really good brand for a really strong product, it gives me like incredible joy. Um, I love that. Yeah. So it's so true. Yeah. Right. Like at the end of the day, you could have the greatest branding and have the greatest everything in the world. And especially in product companies, especially ones that you consume and Mm -hmm. eat and drink, you try it once and you'll never try it again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sort Um, of a waste. No, I know. And I, and I feel like there's been a little bit of like an inflation. It's like, it's kind of like, and we're going to get to sort of yeah, your we're background. Right into it. Yeah, yeah, I no, like I it. just, I know. And it's funny because I started and I'm like, no, I'll, but I'm going to keep <laughs> going. But I think, you know, it's, I was reading just sort of about like how performative in general things have gotten. And I think we all talk about that a little bit and what is performative and what's real and what's authentic and what's not. And, you know, you could debate that forever, but I do think that with the rise of sort of digitally native brands and companies, you know, you could have literally like a garage where you're not making anything that great. But if you design a really beautiful package and a really beautiful, you know, landing page or Shopify Uh page, you can actually, you know, get rather far, which, yeah, yeah. you can, you can do a lot with very little, which is why it's such an exciting time for brands and, and for businesses at, at large. Um, right. And I think that's what's broken down the barrier for some of these companies to even exist in the first place, which is like you can make something in your garage and you can use you know Adobe software and a Squarespace and you can yeah. make something that looks fairly you know legitimate right. and people will take it seriously um, as such. And I think that's one of the things that's really exciting, but also one of the things that we talk about or or (laughs) sort of, you know, that matters to us. It's like, you also need to have a really great business and product (laughs) to match the brand. Otherwise, people are just going to be incredibly disappointed when, you know, your Instagram just keeps posting, you know, vibe photos and they never actually sell anything (laughs) or do anything. Yeah. Okay. So now that we've gotten that out of the way. Sure. um, Yeah, let's do it. Well, I mean, you've had a really incredible career. I know that you, you know, basically got out of college, started designing for Glasso. They got, you know, bought by Coke. And then you ended up at Coke for 11 years doing, you know, massive brands and vision and, I mean, everything. So how how did that happen? Like, were you always artistic? Were you always into brands? Were you, you know, were you one of those guys, you know, like I am that just kind of has always been sort of like font obsessed or, you know, yes. Ha- ha- yes. All of okay. the above. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I grew up drawing and painting because of my mother. My mother is a, a bit of an artist. And mm. um, when I was born, she took some time off and, you know, she would do like calligraphy as sort of like a uh-huh. you know side gig with, you know, obviously letters and she would paint and draw and so you know when when i was a kid we would um do these things uh for for the kids listening they were called uh activities or hobbies Uh, yes yes Um, do you remember those yeah 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 before (laughs) instagram and netflix Uh there were things that we would do in our free time and um i really found like a passion for it and also realized it was something i had a little bit of 
talented. Like, mm-hmm. I inherited her sort of ability. Yeah. And I think growing up, <laughs> I wasn't much of an athlete. I didn't, you know, I didn't her- inherit a lot of abilities. So <laughs> I was like, okay, um, I'm going to run with this one. Right. You and, leaned into your strengths. Yeah, yeah. And I had a lot of friends who were talented in other arenas. And so I was like, this is my thing. This right. is my path. And, uh, you know, from there, I sort of got like an Apple 2GS computer and I would just make stuff. And right. eventually got to high school and I would take more art classes because, mm-hmm. you know, the art teachers liked me and mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, that was my thing. And so I, I, I kind of ran with it and. I always had a love of brands, mm-hmm. you know, at, you know, this is, I was, I grew up on Long Island in the nineties and I was a little preppy and a little hip hop. And so <laughs> the brands I loved were like Polo and yeah. Nautica and Tommy yeah. Hilfiger. And like these brands really talked to my, like, you know, my, my, my 12 year old soul. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's funny about Tommy Hilfiger, right? Because yeah. actually there's a lot of stuff I see even still that I'm like, huh, that looks great. I don't think I've ever actually owned a piece of Tommy Hilfiger clothing, but like there, there, he, it wasn't just like polo derivative. There was yeah. something different to it. It felt yeah. a little bit less like, I don't know. Yeah. The nineties are all the way back. So yeah. that's kind of the thing, you know, um, which is really funny for me when I see these kids with like a hoop earring and like a middle part and right. like a, you know, polo sport jacket. I'm like, I, I've been there before, <laughs> right. um, but I remember like, again, going back to sort of like my childhood of feeling like art was my thing and like, I didn't have a ton of confidence. I was always like a little mm. shy and like a little overweight and um, uh, socially awkward maybe would be yeah. the way I'd describe it. Okay. <laughs> um, and so like when I would, you know, draw and like my teachers were like, you're, you're gifted. Yeah. <laughs> and like, um, you know, I would put on a Tommy Hilfiger jacket, like a puffy, you know, winter coat. Yeah. And I just felt like I was like the man. I yeah. was like, no one could tell me anything. Like, this is my 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 cool swag, you know. And um, I d- didn't use any of those words. Right. Um, <laughs> but you know, this is kind of like gave me powers. And right. I, I, you know, obviously, I didn't know it much of uh, what what that feeling was at the, you know at the time. But I just yeah. remember sort of being like a little interested in sort of like why this logo why? gave me powers. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so I was thinking at that time, I was like. There's definitely some people behind this, you know? Yeah. Like, um, I read I something about Nike, and I don't remember where I read it. It was probably Debbie Millman, but it was basically like, you can be literally having never moved off your couch. You could be there for like the third week in a row, eating whatever, lying there. But if you're wearing Nikes, you feel like you could at any moment oh, yeah. spring off of your couch and go run through the woods and, you know, win a marathon. Like there's, when it's done, when it, when it has it, it has it. And this is what I want to get to in the conversation today, because. It's how, so exciting. How do you yeah. know when it has it? How does it, how, is there like a, I mean, it's I a, guess before you even, yeah. Did you, did you click in with things and you were like, this is, this gives me a feeling in my stomach that is like the brand is going to work. Like, how does that, how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. I think you, 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 you believe it, right. You believe mm-hmm. the sort of the commercials and the lifestyle and the, you know, the sneaker and, you know, the, the construction and the, the logos, like it all has meaning and it all sort of influences you. And ultimately a brand is a feeling. And mm-hmm. I think that's what those brands do so well. It's like they, you know, 
they influence that feeling that you have and make you sort of want to be a part of it. And so, you know, I think when I went to college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And, Mm. you know, I think like a lot of young kids, uh, they sort of are trying to figure out what they're... Did you think you were going to be able to do something in art? Or were you like... Yeah, I I had gone into college based on my sort of like drawing and painting portfolio. So I was already in the sort of BFA program. Right. Studying art. (laughs) Right, got it. But I knew I also didn't want to be like an artist, painter, like gallery guy. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't that talented or <laughs> driven. <laughs> okay. I, I wanted to be on the more commercial side of things. Right. And I think that was what, like, again, my love of like Nike and Tommy Hilfiger and, mm-hmm. you know, those brands and even like the Knicks and the Mets, mm-hmm. like I'm a big sports fan and stuff like that. So I was, you know, I was just, I wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. And I think it was when I was in college and I had to like declare like a concentration and I had no idea really what the difference was between like some of the you know, the departments that I was, mm-hmm. I had to apply to. And then I remember distinctly being in my sort of like dorm room and doing research and figuring out a graphic designer mm-hmm. is a job <laughs> and it's someone who makes logos and album artwork and t-shirts. And, right. and I was like, that's me. That's yeah. exactly what I want to be. And, you know, I, I had, you know, I had a friend who was a musician, so I was making some of his artwork for his band. And Very so I was cool. like, I was like, this is, this is what I want to be. And so I, I honestly, this is like 2004 right. and I haven't looked back. I just like legitimately was like, okay, solid. This is me. This is what I want to do. And like, and I, then I, your first job was at Glasso. Yeah. I mean, so tell I, me I about had, that. Yeah. So I had an internship in college. I worked for the New York Knicks. Oh, that's fun. How, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Um, it sounds a lot cooler than it was. Right. Um, but, you know, I was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was my first sort of time going to meetings and like mm-hmm. being a part of the design process. And, you know, what, I was were, really, what were they designing? Like, like I don't the, even think of them having. Yeah, like, like um, ticket, like uh, annual, like season ticket packages and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Like actual ticket designs and oh, fun. stuff like, uh, you know, posters for in arena. Right, signage. Of course, that makes so much sense. I didn't, it didn't even occur to me. Yeah. yeah and, and they have their own in-house designer. Yeah. They had an in-house design department. Right. And it was like three dudes in a closet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And it was like one for the Knicks, one for the Rangers and like a production person and me. Like, right. It Amazing. was, it was so small and it was like, I remember, like, the marketing department was, like, in this, like, sick area that was glass. <laughs> and, like, they had all these, like, famous, you know, Nick player posters. And, like, uh-huh. going, you're in here. And it was, like, this, like, <laughs> little side closet. And I, they, they sat me at one of, the, like, an old Apple. Right. And I was, like, I don't know how to use this thing at all. Like, wow. But it was, yeah, it was a cool, it was a cool gig. And, like, I, I talk about it a lot because I realized that, like, like how people conducted themselves. Like it was sort of like a great moment to see like the power of design and like how design influenced the business of yep. sports yep. and like the, you know, just the way that people talked about it and the way that people were presenting it and critiquing it and giving feedback and all of that. And I was just sort of a fly on the wall for that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is, this is really exciting. Um, and I was just kind of happy to be there. Um, and it, it ultimately led me to my job at Glasso. Right. Because after college, I sort of was looking for basically any job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, when you graduate and you're like, I just want to yep. be paid for my passion, which is right. graphic design. 
but I don't really know that much, right? Like I, right. I'm, I have in my portfolio and I answered a sort of uh, a listing for a graphic design position at a beverage company. Um, the listing had no title or brand on it, so I didn't right. know who it was. And I showed up and I had my portfolio of stuff and I met a creative director who was building an in-house team. Unbelievable. And he and I clicked immediately. Yeah. And uh, he gave me a chance. And, and they were, I mean, I remember, you know, when vitamin water came out, like yeah. it was, it, it was like that rainbow again. It was, you know, mm-hmm. bold and it didn't look like other things. And I mean, this was still very, I mean, I, I don't know the history of how many years it existed before it got bought. Yeah. Um, but it was only like five or six. Right. Um, the, and I could be wrong about that. Um, right. I believe it really starts in 1999 and it's sold in 2007. So I think, you know, I could, um, but I always tell this story when I do like presentations Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, speak engagements. And I talk about the moment I saw vitamin water for the first time in a meeting at uh, Madison Square Garden when I was an intern. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting across the table from this woman who was the head of marketing and she was drinking a vitamin water focus. Mm-hmm. And I just remember seeing it for the first time and being like, what the hell is that? Like, mm-hmm. what is she drinking? Is it giving her powers? And mm. like, and it's like, it just was so beautiful. Again, like, you know, this is, you know, not many products are designed in a way that sort of feel so uniquely different. Yeah. And I just remember vitamin water feeling like absolutely nothing I've ever seen before in my life. And yep. I'm, I'm, you know, if you looked at my portfolio of design at the time, I was like really into bold fonts, you know, just right. like everything was bold and simple. <laughs> and, um, and it just like, it instantly, I was like, that is, that's for me. Like, I just want to, you know, I, I, I want to drink that and I want to be a part of that brand. So before we take a break, I do want to ask you a question because I know that things are cyclical. We've talked about having Emmett on here and talking about sort of brand trends responding to the trend before. So you go from like pastels into jewel tones, you go from serif into sans, you go, you know, what is there, do you think it is, um, do you see it as sort of like, cyclical but kind of moving forward so with every with every sort of time where we're going back into bold and maybe you know like how how if you were sort of mapping out you know you're an artist right so you're doing a map of what what design looks like over time yeah um, it's a, it's a great without question. like yeah like doing a bong hit do right now. Like yeah, how, how would you, do you yeah, like how would you draw it out if you were going to like map it or paint yeah, it? Yeah, I think there are certain trends in design and they are a reaction to the trends that precede it. Mm-hmm. And I think when you were talking to Emmett about sort of the 90s or early 2000s, like being, you know, there was like a, a trend of sort of like organized chaos and like if you mm-hmm. remember the designs of like the 90s it was like you know it was like orbits and like cherry <laughs> coke looked crazy and it was just like <laughs> maximalism design yeah. and a lot of things were designed to like pop on shelf mm-hmm. and that was you know sort of the way lay of the land and everything had like 
85 layers of shadows and glows and, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. he was sort of, you know, yeah. screaming at you, totally. please buy me, please yeah. buy me, like mm-hmm. pay attention to me. And then I think, and, and I will give Vitamin Water a ton of credit for this and Smart Water as well. Like these are brands that were designed more to be lived with mm-hmm. and they were a bit simpler and they were a bit more art objects and they're a bit more beautiful. And there was definitely a shift in the supermarket that happened in the 2000s and was continued into the 2010s by the D2C brands, the ones mm-hmm. that Emmett and Jim Lane, you know, sort of, um, mm-hmm. were, you know, that you were talking to uh, Emmett about, you know, it is just a, a, a reaction over time to the sort of madness and, and the sort yeah. of complexity. The ironic part is that those brands sometimes can feel a little cold or a little sterile mm-hmm. or in a little bland, which is, you know, people say blanding, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. And now we're like, let's go back. Right. <laughs> it's brands that sort of are back to a little bit of that organized chaos that I was describing, like right. a little bit of that unpreciousness, yeah. um, a little bit more raw and a little bit more just feeling. And I think that's exciting. And I think brands will always go, um, you know, from a visual trend perspective, they will sort of, you know, they will kind of yeah. go until a mass, you know, mass adoption. And then someone will say, I don't want to look like everything else and, right. and go back the other way. And Yeah, it's um, interesting. I'm trying to figure out why I like what I like so much of the time, you know, and I look at our pouches. I think you've probably seen them by now because uh-huh. we've been talking and, and, you know, I love the fact that they're white with black font. And I'm not changing that. And we're going through a refresh right now. And I cannot tell you how many people are like, you should add some color and maybe a vegetable. And, you know, it looks like an IV bag or, you know, it looks too clinical or whatever. And it's funny because I am like, we are softening them up a little bit. Like there will be another font added in, for example. Right. (laughs) But like. I, I'm right now, I'm looking at things and I'm like, well, do I like that serif font now? Because I'm being sort of taken on the wave of sure. less sort of, you know, Helvetica-esque fonts. And and how am I going to make sure that I don't, you know, I always go back to like George Harrison ended up, you know, getting sued for plagiarizing a song that he didn't even remember that he had heard. Um, in like the sixties. And I'm like, like always terrified. I literally walk around like George Harrison was like the nicest human on the planet. And he plagiarized by accident. Like, how do I know uh, that I'm not doing that? And how do I know that? Like, I like here, this because here comes I, the sun. And exactly. Like, no, yeah, no. no, I know. I have like a little bit of a panic attack. <laughs> it's true. Um, he heard like a song by like the delights or it was something right. And he didn't even mean to, but yeah, it was the same like, thing happened with Pharrell recently mm-hmm. with blurred lines. And right. I, I watched some interview with him and, um, uh, he was talking about sort of the, um, what that felt like and sort of, you know, that, that feeling that he was trying to conjure with that song. Right. And him and Rick Rubin were having a great conversation about it and, it, uh, that is so fascinating. He was like, there's a feeling that I want to communicate. And that is, you know, that's this, I'm not, he's not stealing it. He's, right. He's channeling it. Right. 
And uh, where's the line? Yeah, where's the line? <laughs> and that's that's a whole <laughs> we could have a whole podcast about you know, brand equities and yeah. sort of like, you know, and I think vitamin water, going back to vitamin water for a second, like, you know, there was definitely a ton of brands that were like, okay, we're just going to, we're going to simplify everything down. We'll do a color mm-hmm. band and we'll, we'll go the medicinal route. And like, we're just going to take some of that yep. feeling. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was, there was some lawsuits and stuff like that, but, um, yeah, I mean, you want to create something that feels unique and original, but ultimately like, and this is kind of one of the things that I always talk to my, my team about is like, a brand identity, a visual identity, is one part of a bigger ecosystem of mm-hmm. a brand. And, you know, I think what I learned from my time at Vitamin Water was, like, if I was going to be a branding designer, it's, like, what it looks like and the typography and the fonts and the colors and all that stuff is, like, you know, again, that's 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 so much of what I was doing. But it was so much more. It's right. so much of the sort of, like... Um, you know, just starting with the voice of the brand, right? Yeah. Vitamin water, its packaging has such a distinct style of copy. And, um, you know, I think it deserves a lot of credit for sort of creating that sort of like human voice that talked to you on the side of, of, of a drink yeah. and said like, hey, you're tired. Like you just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Like, you know, when you lost your keys, like drink this revive. And it's like, right. that that was so revolutionary. Um, and we could, again, I can talk about vitamin water and its influence and, you know, from, from a branding perspective, but I think what it taught me is like a brand is the sum of all of its parts. And so many of those parts are, 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 are bigger than just the visual aesthetic of it. Um, yes. Cause you know, again, you could have a couple of brands that look and feel the same, but like uh, there's, it's what they do. It's yep. what they say. It's, you know, what they say, it's who they talk to, it's who they partner with, it's who they collaborate yeah. and like. The ultimate thing that I learned is it's about the people mm. at the company. And it was, you know, great people make great brands. And I think that is a culture thing. Yeah. You know, it was the culture. And people often say like $4.1 billion for a beverage brand is, it was insane, right? But yeah. I think they were buying obviously the brand that we had constructed and, and, and the attachment and the attention that we had garnered from people, but also the humans that were sitting in that office, which mm-hmm. were a hundred of like maybe the brightest, you know, most <laughs> like creative business savvy people that they could have ever acquired. Yeah. And yeah. those people have gone on to be like every industry, every company that I could, there's a chart of ex Glasso people and what they've done since it's remarkable. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, that company, the one that I started working for when I was 21 years old was like, it was like, it was, it was, it was like a movie. It was like yeah. <laughs> uh, people were playing games in the hallway and yeah. like, meetings were fun and everyone was just like getting along and like, there was just a great culture and great things come from that. Yeah. And, true. you know, branding and in business is not like a solo endeavor. It is, it takes a village of people. And so, I think that's the biggest takeaway of like branding to me. It's like, it's done by great people and lots of them. Amazing. Okay. I love that we got what you learned from vitamin water. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about what you learned from Coke. And then we're going to just talk about all of the, you know, everything fun. Um, So we'll be right back. (laughs) 
Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based consumers in your doors with easy-to-use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn. That's ju.st slash hrn. Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier with no cholesterol and less sad saturated fat and it's more sustainable just egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions most importantly it's delicious for our listeners who operate a food service establishment you can get a sample for free head to ju.st slash hrn that's ju.st slash hrn just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble. Great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and French toast. There's also a frozen pre-baked folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andres calls Just Egg mind-blowing, and Bon Appetit says, It's so good, I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest-growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st slash hrn. I'm back with Alex Center, founder of Center. Um, good thing you had a great last name, by the way. I'm super thankful for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, like it could have been, it could have been rough. Um, the naming okay. was really challenging. Um, I know. Trust um, me, I know. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Are you Haven?" I'm like, "No." Like, I would never name a brand after myself, but you know, you did. I was so given that's no cool. choice, really. Right. And again, like it was just one of those things. Where again, you have a great, you have a great name that means something. Um, <laughs> And also it's different, right? Like I'm putting a product into the world, but okay. Yeah, there is a great lineage and tradition of graphic designers putting their name on a door. Yes, um, and a good one. So, okay. I love that you that you talked about Glasso and great people making great brands and the brand, you know, the visual identity is just one part of the larger ecosystem. And it seems to me that just from what I've read and from what I've heard you sort of say that what got what you really took home from Coke was sort of like strategy, positioning, visual design, like the different pieces of that ecosystem and how they all kind of come together. Um, but I'll let you tell me what, you know, what you think the biggest takeaway from the, I mean, that was 11 years or something, right? So or like yeah, eight uh, years. 11 or, years are total. So one was uh, vitamin water, glass right. and then 10 were Coke. And yeah, um, it's a long time. Um, yeah. I think the thing that I really learned and to sort of just, yeah, to sort of piggyback off of what you just said was like, I really learned how to communicate better with non-designers mm -hmm. and like business men and women. And, you know, when you're at a company like Coca-Cola, yeah. you're in a lot of meetings with brand directors and VPs and GMs and people that don't always have the clearest sense of design and like what mm -hmm. its magic <laughs> does for right. brands. And I think that's changing a bit. I think that's probably, you know, there's, there's more people in bigger companies that have a better understanding of design now than probably they did eight years ago. Right. 
Uh, but in a lot of those meetings, I used to really have to fight for design and mm-hmm. like fight for the budget and, you know, and really to get people to believe in an idea that I had or something that was like, you know, that yeah. I really believed in. And a lot of time you, you know, I, I had to like educate people about branding and design and like why it matters to a business. Yeah. Yeah. Which <laughs> and, is crazy. Like, I would call this brandsplaining, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> which is like, um, the name of my new podcast. No, I'm kidding. Um, And I think ultimately what I learned was like, if I did something great and I told people to just trust me, people weren't down for it. They were just like, um, so just so that it's clear, you're working for um, the Coca-Cola company um, and literally (laughs) one tiny mistake could cost the company millions and millions of dollars. And like, people necessarily aren't going to like put their job on the line because you think it's going to be new and exciting. Right. And so it's kind of like Coke is not, it's like, it's risk averse. And it's like, why would they be like, why would they take risks? Like it's, it's kind of like, it's like a a political candidate that has like a 10 point lead. They're just like, you know, they're going to (laughs) like play it safe (laughs) um, all the time. And so what I found was like a lot of my ideas were like, we would get, you know, I'd present something and then it would come down to like a conversation of like, do I like this or do I not like this? Right. And that's a really bad place to be in because like then I'm basically um, going off of the taste level and instincts of, you know, of, of brand directors that like right. went to like Harvard Business School and like they're very smart, but like, the, you know, the way that I figured out <laughs> how to, um, you know, what, you know, to get my work out into the world was to change the conversation and to change it around, not like, do you like this or not, but like why this design work is important, how it's going to help the business, right. what, it, how it, you know, what it's going to do to differentiate us from the other brands in the well, category. And can like, we talk about that a little bit? Because even, you know, for taking that and cause everything that you're saying about Coke, of course, I'm like thinking about how it applies to Havens and how it applies to like emerging brands. Right. And that point. does sort of speak to the role of the design in the context of the bigger brand picture, right? Of course. Like, and I guess, I mean, I guess, you know, how, how would you, again, like, how would you talk about that sort of bigger brand picture? And, yeah. you know, that brand journey that, you're, that you've referred to in a couple of interviews, you know, because I'm thinking about what you're saying and, I, you know, we're doing a refresh right now, as I sure. said, and, you know, it's, some of the design work is beautiful, but I continually take it to our brokers sure. and I'm like, will a buyer understand this? Like, you yeah. know, cause it does need to go on the shelf and it does need, it has to say certain yes. things that signal things in wh- whether or not they're meaningful and, you know, right yes. now. So how do you kind of place the design in that larger journey and ecosystem? And, what, and what, what's the ultimate goal? Like if you don't have, if you don't have the the machine of a Coca-Cola behind you or even a you yeah. behind you, you know, what should we be? Yeah. Thinking I think, about? I think ultimately at the end of the day, right. First, um, I wouldn't, and I know this is really tough 
thing to even say out loud and something that I've experienced at Coke where, you know, we've been sort of influenced by retailers and, Mm -hmm. you know, even a company as big as Coke, you would think, oh, they just throw their weight around and be like, hey, this is what we want to do. Like, we're going to do it. It's like still they, you know, there were times where it'd be like, the retailer doesn't want us to do it this way or they they think it should be more bold or they think it should be Mm X, Y, Z. And, you know, I think ultimately, and, and, you know, we, we, you know, experience that now with some of our brands, which is like, how do we how do we take a brand that is maybe a little bit designed uh, designed for to be lived with, like I was saying before, right. like versus something that's designed to be off of shelf, you know, pop off of shelf and say mm-hmm. like, you know, just buy me, buy me, buy me. And right. I think, um, you know, the retailers aren't necessarily going to be looking out for that. But I do think at the end of the day, it's 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 about sort of the bigger picture, like you were saying before, in terms of like the landscape of brands and you know i think ultimately every category has some players in it that are shaking things up and doing things a little bit you know their own way right and you know whether it's bonza mm-hmm. <laughs> or you know Us. uh, uh <laughs> you know I'm, I'm just trying to think of brands that like in you know the supermarket or rx bar like i'm right. you know, I kind of go back to like you know these brands that like are they they feel different they're they're there's a different energy to them yeah and you know, I strategically, it's hard to like sell someone on the fact that like, yeah, you just have to believe mm-hmm. <laughs> in this feeling. But ultimately, like, I think it's um, a lot of what I would do. And again, kind of going back to the education piece is like explain my work in a way of like mm-hmm. how I got there. And it's like, this is the way that modern brands are behaving. This is the way in which things are changing. And this is an example from another category. And this is a trend that's happening in the world that has nothing to do with beverage. And this is a, you know, this is a human thing. And like that, like that, it's, 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 you know, it's storytelling, which is Mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, again, I don't want to say like, it's all about storytelling Mm because that feels very buzzwordy, but like, it is about taking someone on a journey of like, the year is 2021, like <laughs> gender norms and gender roles are changing. Like, you know, we, we are, <laughs> we're in unprecedented global pandemic. Like, mm-hmm. The way that we are cooking is different. The way we are approaching cooking is different, mm-hmm. you know? And like there, we're talking to a new audience and there's a new type of person and this is a new, um, you know, uh, th- there's a, um, a new target and a new, and that new target thinks about things differently and mm-hmm. they're looking for something new and they're looking for something that is more like this. Right. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, if someone believes that your approach is going to make money mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and is going to be successful, you know, there is a little bit of risk involved. And I think United Sodas is a great example because I remember looking at the package and even myself being like, is this too different? Like, is this... It looks like, like art. It literally <laughs> yeah, looks it, like art. Like yeah. I, we would take it to meetings and, stu- and stuff and it would be on the table and like... Um, especially when we only have like one of them, right? <laughs> like we have just cherry pop. And right. I just sit there and be like, this is the future of beverage. And people would look at us and be like, what? <laughs> like, where is it? Right, right. <laughs> and you just be like, well, you kind of have to believe that it's it's not a brand about soda. It's a brand about America. Right. <laughs> and it's a brand about variety. And it's a brand about unity. And it's a brand about, you know, and in a way, like, we would talk about, like, Patagonia a lot. And, like, mm-hmm. Ben and & Jerry's and Nike and these brands that stood yeah. for more. And, like, individuality and all these things that, like, yeah. have, you know, have nothing to do with the packaging. And have nothing um, to do necessarily with soda, which I like that you said that because Correct. my one of my big questions is like, 
you know, I always try to ask people like you for someone who can't afford, you know, a, a full on design agency, you know, what are the questions that you would ask them that they should ask themselves? And even if, you know, um, I had Sandro on here from Sanzo a couple months ago, he said it's even a worthy exercise, even if you can afford a branding agency and can where, you know, you should know these things going in so that that discovery process isn't like happening for the first time. So what are the questions that you ask? I mean, I know I I got there. One of them is like, what do you stand for? Um, But but how do you even what does that even mean, really? You know? Yeah, actually, I have two questions that I've used a lot. Even I use these at Coke. Right. And it's like, why did we start this project in the first place? Mm-hmm. Like, what drove you to here? And a lot of times the answer to sort of like what we believe in or like what the brand's purpose is starts from like, the original person's original mm-hmm. sort of, you know, light bulb moment that, you know, sort of got them to think that there should be a better mop, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like, why did you start this in the first place? Like, what was that initial instinct? What was that thought? And like, let's like unpack that. And like, let's get to the heart of like, why, why this idea is even in the world or why we're pursuing this idea. And I think a lot of times that comes from like a very human thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very much like I wanted this product and it didn't exist, so I made it. And um, I feel like, you know, that that is, you know, it, it, it mattered to me. And I thought that there was more people like me in the world right. that would want this thing. Yeah. And I think in there, that's like a, a Trevor Trove typically of like, mm-hmm. like, let's go back to the beginning. And like, that's really, really helpful for like really big brands. Like we worked with like Macy's. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, let's go back to like the origin of the early days. And Coke, right. this was like one of my favorite parts of working at Coke was like going to the archives. Yes. Yeah. And like just looking around and seeing like the beginning of Sprite. Yeah. <laughs> and like the beginning of brands. And like, we would often talk about vitamin water in that context, like, what was the beginning? What was the landscape? Like bored with water, making water more brilliant. And, you know, again, like, um, water fatigue and color Mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, you know, art. (laughs) Right. And like going back to sort of those earliest, you know, sort of why, what, how did we start this? Like what, Mm -hmm. what what started the, what, what is the human thing that started all of this? And then the second question, which I actually use more often now, I think than any, is like, why do we think that people are going to care about this mop? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, I understand there's a desire to make a better mop, but um, people aren't looking for more mops. And like, I find that entrepreneurs are like obsessed with their products. Yes. And as they should. Too much so. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Because they but made I, them out of their right. brain and into the world. But there are babies and we have very little objectivity. Everyone thinks that their baby is the greatest thing right. in the world. For sure. And that's fine. I mean, that's great. And that enthusiasm and that. You need it to get through. It's like right. you need that to mm-hmm. get through the hard times because it's a really tough thing to launch a business. It's mm-hmm. really, really hard. Um, my wife is a, an entrepreneur and a business owner. And, um, I see it firsthand and it's, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's never ending. And, right. um, and you know, people like, so even for the most amazing products in the world, so like ice cream, mm-hmm. we have an ice cream client. 
and like the ice cream, they're like, this is the greatest thing in the world. You got to try it. It's going to make you, you know, say, oh, wow. And they're like, that's going to be the name of the brand. Oh, wow. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think that the world is begging for another dairy-free ice cream. Like, right. And I, and I think that's something that you just need to understand here. And it's, it's a hard conversation because it's sort of like saying like your baby's not special. Right. But if you start from there and you say like, why are people going to care about this ice cream? And it's not going to be connected to the deliciousness of the product. Right. <clears throat> and it's maybe not even going to be connected to the ingredients or anything right. related to the, to the product itself. Then we start to get to a bigger conversation. And that bigger conversation leads to fertile ground for what does ice cream mean? Like, why do we, wh how does ice, what's the role of ice cream in the world? And in many ways, it's a celebration. It's joy. It's, you mm -hmm. know, it's after a soccer practice. It's after a, you know, sort of extravagant, fun, you know, meal with friends. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, ice cream is, is, is joy and it brings people together. And then you start to go bigger. It's like food brings people together, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and so you start to, ask yourself bigger questions around why and ultimately trying to find a narrative and a sort of bigger picture thing that is a reflection of culture, but ultimately right. sort of pays off the, pro the promise of the product. And if you can create a brand that's like bigger than the product, but also reinforces your product, mm -hmm. why it exists, that's sort of magic. And sometimes people create a product and then they're like, What's my, what's my brand story? Right. And what I've realized now, sometimes people are creating brand stories and then they're like, oh, I'm going to create a brand and it's got a point of view and it's got a narrative. And then that will help me figure out what to sell. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, someone told me the other day that, and, and, you know, this is fair. It, it really is fair. Like our, our packaging, like the pouches, have a lot of amazing features, right? They're totally new. They're very interesting. The product shines through. They look unlike anything. Um, and people are in love with our product, but they don't, they are, they don't know what the brand is and yeah. they can't really tell. And that's our job. And that's the job of, you know, the working assembly who we're working with on, you know, the refresh. And I have every confidence that we'll get there. <laughs> um, but for us, you know, is, our brand. Is this a yeah. design review? Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, no, they're all going to come on when we finish it. We're going to we're going to awesome. do a podcast where we're just going to talk about the process because it's been you know, I have some sacred cows for sure. I sure. have a, a very strong gut response to visual design and I like white space and like, you, you know, yeah. I, I like, there are things that I know that I like and there are things that just like, so, so speaking of that, um, do you know when you're, when you have designed something, like when you put something into the world, do you, do you know when it's going to hit? Like, do you, how do you know when you've kind of, cause you, cause you've said, I've, you know, again, you've said a lot about differentiation, right? You go yeah. to the cooler and there are 80 brands and even now there are 85 brands and you know, how, how are you channeling that differentiation? And do you have a feeling when you put something out there that you've done it, or do you have to wait until you see what the feedback is from the people? 
Yeah, ultimately, it's, you know, like I said, it's a feeling that other people have. So it's like, we could love everything about a brand. <laughs> right. And like, and then put it out into the world. And if nobody connects with it, then it doesn't matter what we think about mm -hmm. it. And ultimately, it is that feeling and attraction. It's sort of like chemistry. It's like, how do you know if something, so you have like, <laughs> like charmed someone. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, you, it's a feeling, I think, that you're like, oh, wow, they're starting to, to sort of... Um, warm. Warm up to us. <laughs> or they, they're, they're, you know, there's some telltale signs. And like, I always, I always bring up the same like three brands where I'm like, I'm like, there's a feeling and you know it. And it's like, it, you know, and it's like, you know, when a brand has like buzz and like a brand that has energy. And I, I, I always use like Glossier mm -hmm. and like Sweet Green and mm -hmm. Parade and kin or like you know what i mean these brands mm -hmm. you're just like you see it you feel it and you know it and yeah. ultimately that's the thing that like we're in the business of trying to create and right. it's like a really hard thing like those are <laughs> those are iconic brands in the making yeah and people are you know those are billion dollar brands you know yeah. parade is it's it's on its way but it's like glossy and sweet green are like you know i think those you know brands are over a billion dollar, you know, yes. valuation. And it's like, it's ultimately, it's, it's, it's that feeling that people have for that brand where they're yeah. like obsessed right. with it. They'll line up for it. They'll post it. They share it. And like all the work that we do before a brand launches is to like set all that up <laughs> in a way that like we believe people will start to, um, you know, like interact with in it that, that way, way and interact yeah. and be attracted to it. So, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's like all the work that we do gets us to like the starting gate of a marathon, mm -hmm. you know? And then it's like, you know, or we push the boulder up the top of the hill to the top of the hill and then it's and like, see if it rolls down. Okay. If it starts to roll, like we've done our job well. And like, I think rolling right. down the hill is like, you know, and I know you can manufacture some of this stuff, but it's like Instagram sharing or YouTube right. videos unboxing and um, celebrity, you know, sort of posting right. organically and retailer attention. And, you know, I. And, and a vibe. It's really, I mean, I hate to yes. overuse that word because I feel like it's back. Um, but there, there is like a little aura around it. A hundred percent. And, and like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's like a celebrity. I mean, I went to, I went to high school with a pretty famous actress and I won't talk right. about it on here, but like, <laughs> and I saw her, Jennifer Love Hugh. like, no, I saw her a couple of years after she kind of hit the big time and I was working, you know, for the city of New York wearing, I kid you not, I was wearing a taupe brown and Taylor I don't Ooh. even know if that exists anymore. Like suit. Um, yeah. And I was walking down the street and, and it was like, she was her, Yeah. but she wasn't her anymore. She had like sun bullets coming out of her body. <laughs> like it was yeah. like, and I, it, it just was, and I, I thought it was fascinating because she, what's the difference? Like you what happened? It. You could yeah. feel it. And that's how I look at some brands, you know? And, For sure. You could totally yeah. feel it. And it's like, I go back to vitamin water because that's how I do with everything. And my team is like so nauseated at me, you know, comparing mm -hmm. everything to vitamin water. But like, that's a good like point. we would get these emails each week from like our PR department with like a weekly report of like the love letters we would get from right. fans and yeah. like the news stories that featured our brand. And like, 
I remember those started to like include celebrities and like movie placements and like Simpsons parodies. And you're like, mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, this is really connecting. And it's like, yeah, it's very much like a, a fame thing. Right. And it's like, it is like, I have said at times, like our goal is not to make the design community love what we've done. It's our job to like make our brands famous in a way. Right. And so when I say like success, when like Haley Bieber posted United Sodas of America, I was like, we're like, we've, we're on our way. Like right, we're doing right. like, you know what I mean? And it's like, those are the type of things that you feel it and you're like, okay, the, the years that we spent developing yeah. this brand to get to that point, it's like, okay. like Well, well that's a question too. Yeah. Like, so, you know, I, I mean, again, I feel like, we have that kind of love. The people who, the people who, like, we're not for everyone necessarily because sure. people are confused. Like, why is it in the refrigerator? Why is it in a pouch? But mm-hmm. there are people who are slightly obsessed and yeah. it's amazing. But when you say the years that we built building it, like, is it? Yeah. Because I feel like our job right now is just awareness, 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 get it sure. into more and more people's hands, refine it. But the, but the, but the core is there. Um, yeah. Would you say if you're a couple years in and an emerging brand and you, and you felt like it hasn't clicked on a brand level, would you, what would you say to brands like that? Like, how would you advise them you know, they have good business, let's say. They're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like a couple million in sales and they're opening sure. doors, but, you know. Well, I mean, if you have a great product, a lot of times you don't necessarily always need a, a brand that people connect with always, right. you know? Like, I always use Uber for that example. It's like right. at the end of the day, like, no one loves Uber's brand, but the convenience of mm-hmm. just pressing three buttons on your phone and a car takes you to where you need to go and you don't have to pay with cash or credit. You know what I mean? Like, the product is just so brilliantly amazing that like yeah the brand could stand does you know no one but it does make it vulnerable to the same product that's that's, a better brand right and that's what i would say to that founder of the uber that has a business that's like working and they're like you know what we're not going to change anything because our brand um you know maybe it's not connecting but our product is so great and our product is, you know, like clearly something's happening here. And I would say, well, the next person come come along and create something pretty similar from a mm-hmm. product perspective. But brand loyalty is 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 everything. And so um, I, I think about sort of like Spotify. Yeah. Like Spotify being sort of the first in streaming. And like for all intents and purposes, like Spotify... Apple should have come in and just right. put Spotify out of business because they are Apple. Right. But Spotify had done some great brand building things and they had sort of, you know, they had sort of shifted their 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 brand from a product company to a people company. And mm. um, I think they had made some moves that would sort of, that helped them fend off, <laughs> you know, sort of the big player or the, you know, and I think ultimately that's what brand is about, right? It's a connection. Right. And a loyalty to it where you're like, you know, I don't care if there's another player, like there's going to be other players, but like my loyalty is to this brand because I right. have, I have that some feeling. sort of connection and it's, yeah. and it's bigger than just the product. Cause at the end of the day, right. Like uh, the products are traditionally somewhat similar. And also right. like, I remember this is a super dated example. So like, like remember when like Groupon was a thing? 
Mm, yeah, totally. L like deals. Yeah. <laughs> like you would get a deal. You'd be like, oh, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, we're all saving up and we're getting, we got a Groupon deal for this right. hotel or something. Like there's no loyalty in right. deals, right? You just yeah. go to the one that has the best deal for the restaurant or the hotel or whatever that you wanted to go to. And yeah. like Airbnb. It's why they say don't, don't, don't build your brand, like your CPG brand on promos and, and sales and lower price because Correct. you're just never, it's never going to end. Like if that's your, Correct. if that's who wants you, you're not keeping them. No. Right? And I think like at the end of the day, right? Like you're, you're trying to make a connection and it's like through all of the things that you do. And I think that's right. another piece that I always harp on. It's like, Building a great brand is not just like getting it to launch day and pushing it down the hill. It's like mm -hmm. that's that gets you to the starting gate of a of, of a marathon. And it's like every decision you make there for after either helps you <laughs> continue yeah. to grow that allegiance and loyalty and um, you know, furthers it and continues it and builds upon it, or you know, or you lose it. And well that's I think why that's, it yeah. Sorry. No, it's interesting that you're saying that because it goes back to the people, right? Yeah. Because, you know, if you're building a, a company and you start to go beyond you and, you know, the two people and then the five people and yeah. the 20 people and then the 80 people. And if you're sort of thing about, you know, every single step, every decision, every tweet, every post, every, yeah. every partnership yeah. is about it and you can't control that, then... Yeah you have to kind of go upstream and make sure that what you have built is going to make sure that that manifests itself throughout all of those touch points. A hundred percent. And I think that's the thing that Coke does masterfully. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, like, um, we would call it mass intimacy. Mass intimacy. Yeah. Which is like a wonderful phrase. Yeah. For a that is a that great scale, phrase. Yeah. Which is like, you have to create systems <laughs> And we're getting real nerdy here. No, I love it. I love it. You know, brand it. architecture right. that allows you to be flexible, yeah. <laughs> dynamic, contextual, human, you know, and also always feels like Coke. Yeah. And it's hard to do because, you know, and that was one of the big shifts that went from like vitamin water, like Whitestone Queens brand of 100 people that were like really got it. Mm-hmm to going global, like yeah. going to markets that, you know, they, they didn't, they weren't as jazzed about 50 cent, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like they didn't, it, it wasn't, the brand didn't mean as much to mm -hmm. those people. Mm -hmm. And so I remember sort of like when we were acquired by Coke, like sort of really studying and trying to learn from like those big systems that they had built. And um, Turner Duckworth is the name of the agency that did some really brilliant Coca-Cola brand identity work and it won tons of awards and they were like can like marketer of the year, I believe mm -hmm. it was like 2008, 2009. And like that system, which is like built around the silhouette of the Coke glass bottle. Yep. And you know exactly what it looks like. Totally. Um, is like one of the most beautiful global brand <laughs> systems in the world. Mm -hmm. It's like, so gorgeous and it's flexible and it's coke and it's you know it can be translated to any language and it's just um it, it's just brilliant and um 
that's that's how you know that's the end line <laughs> you know yeah. is to like try to get to something that feels like it's anyone in the world can pick it up and use it and they know, and know how exactly to make something and they're able to like put their own like spin on it or yep. use their you know put it through the lens of anything you know and it's like oh it's a it's for six flags or it's for the nba or it's for you know summer barbecue and you see coke and you're like oh it's you know it feels like how coke does barbecue yeah and it's it's hard when you have that many touch points like literally the entire world right it's like you have to build systems that are really like there you know they have to be brilliantly composed to be able to flex to be extendable but also not too you know flexible right <laughs> and so that you know they don't and they don't have to be designed by the same five guys that built the brand you no, know? And, and that makes sense because you know one of my questions was like maintaining the integrity as you're growing and evolving but i think what i'm hearing you say is that when you build sort of these systems and these processes and these guidelines then they they you can trust your creativity within them yeah. because they hold the integrity. Um, just the best by, brand by systems, is like in my mind, are like inspiring. Mm -hmm. Like my uh, Brian Collins is someone that I look up to, and he's a friend and a mentor to me. And he says, um, "Design is not what we make; it's what we make possible for others." Mm. And I think about that pretty much like. Six, ten times a day. Right. Um, and, 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 and it's like, it just rings in my head because it's like, I know a brand is really strong or an idea is really good if, like, people instantly get inspired by it. Yeah. And, like, want to go make other things with it. Yeah. And they're like, okay, what if we did this? And, like, it would be so cool if we tried this and this and this, you know, or what if we did a partnership with this brand? And you're like, yeah. all right, you know, there's, there's, there's um, something's moving here, you yeah. know? And I think that's where I know things are, you know, you know, extendable, you know what I mean? It has legs, you know, without getting too cliche there, but like, yep. you know what I mean? It's like an idea that's bigger than a product and yeah. allows, you know what I mean? It just No, like, I love it. I love and it. it. And it enables you to yeah. take it and run and run as far as possible. Yeah. It's actually funny because I, you know, we're working on our new sales deck too. And, and, you know, sales decks go to the buyer's, at these massive grocery stores, you get sure. four seconds with them. Yep. They, they're not necessarily like thinking about innovation or creativity, but they know that there's a little bit of a big bad wolf out there. They know that, you know, the digital world is coming for them. They know yeah. that they've got to be, got some, you know, get, get at least 20% of their shelf space, you know, to sort of innovative brands and brands that are bringing millennials in and yep. brands that are keeping people coming into the store. So your hope as an emerging brand is that you get into that little 20% and that you, you build enough sort of equity with them to sort of move into the, into the 80%. Um, yeah. And without getting into a sort of like, is retail dying <laughs> retail, like right. future of retail conversation, but it's like, there will always be the desire to see things in person mm -hmm. and like to, to, you know, explore and to, you know, discover. Right. And I think what the smart retailers, the new ones are doing is like, they're taking some of that energy and the feeling that we we're talking about before that some of these brands on the internet have, mm -hmm. and they put them into their store. And into like, I, space, yeah. our studio is in Greenpoint and it sits above uh, a bodega that, I mean, you would think it was like, 
the dye line. <laughs> right. It's, it's like, it's, it's unbelievable. All right, can you like, go downstairs and tell them they need to carry our sauces? Because yeah, they should. I, I would like to be Honestly, in that bodega. Yeah. yeah. They, we, I'd go downstairs and like, I go and like grab a wrap for lunch or something like that. And I'm like doing research. Like it's, yeah. it's yeah. unbelievable. Like, and I'm like, wow, they, they're carrying like swoon lemonade, right. <laughs> like all these brands that like, you know, and things that like we've worked on and things that like other, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's, 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 and, and it's, this place is seemingly doing very well. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and it's like, it's a bodega. Right. It's a, tra- it's a newer one. It's traditionally sort of, uh, you know, it's, it's a grocery market, but it's like, right. you know, if a brand just sells, and I, I think it's, it's in the best interest of those retailers to get brands that don't feel like they come from the tradition yeah. of packaging and identity. And so, and I think, I think my big yeah. takeaway as I'm building out these decks for these guys is yes. to back up a little bit, you know, and instead of yes. talking about the product, I think yes. what I'm hearing you say is like, let's talk about, you know, cooking fatigue and let's talk about, you know, the new home cook and what they're looking for and why they want something squeezy and bright yes. and fun and tactile yes. and yes. All of that, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and that goes and transparent, yeah, and and transparent like, right? You know, and and so if you're like, hey, look, we're you know, and I think that's also another thing that's really helpful. It's like going back to sort of my like education brand splitting thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's like let's go back and like I would show. I remember so often I would show examples from other categories of things that I was into that like that were you know undeniably doing well. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I think yeah. in this way, if you're like RX bar is a mm-hmm. transparent bar, a transparent right. package that like, you know, was, was, was designed for humans yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a different way. And like it, look at its success. It went from $10 million to like $600 million in revenue a year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just based off of the power of a really great package design yeah. that's different than every other cliff bar and, you yeah. know, on the market. And so if it's like, if you sell in your design with that and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, look at these, I'm going to use three case studies here and other products of other categories that have taken a similar approach to what we're doing. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, now my eyes are open to that or yeah. I understand it better and I have a better sense of like why I got here. Because I think a lot of times designers and I would, you know, sometimes I fall guilty to this too. It's like, you just assume that they know all the yeah. things that you know. Yeah. And they don't necessarily, you know, most people don't have their finger on the pulse yeah, of like not thinking brands in the, the way that we, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I would always be surprised by how many people, and this is not to like take shots, but like I would work at a company, you know, people that went to business school, Harvard mm-hmm. Business School or yeah. UPenn or whatever, and like all these fancy schools. And I would be like, have you, like, do you watch the Grammys? Like, right. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, I, and just like pay attention to culture a right. little, because to me, like to be a brand and like, cause you're in the business of branding and marketing, whether you right. like it or not. Right. Whether you're a business guy or not, like you we're, 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 we're in this together. Mm-hmm. And I think to really understand what people want, you have to understand what people are into and like what people like and what trends are happening in fashion and music and life. And that's why like the morning call this morning and it's 10 o'clock zoom with my team. And I'm like, let's talk about the Grammys. Like mm. what, like, because it's not because I love music and award shows, which I do, but like, I like to see some of the topics and the right. things that are happening, whether it's like gender norms through fashion and Harry Styles and mm-hmm. like, you know, representation and you know, 
body and racial dynamics. And like, yeah. there's just so much stuff, even COVID, right? And the way that people are talking about it and the way it's shifting and like, I don't know, there's so much of culture. And, and then of course, right, there's the brands and the advertising and the commercials and stuff like that. And it's like, but it's just, it's all part of the same game in my mind. Yeah. And if yeah. you're trying to sell things to people and to make people care about something, uh, it's pretty helpful to understand what they care about already. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's amazing. Amazing. Um, I can't. I mean, I've just looked at the time. It's been an hour and three minutes, and I'm like, wait, but I have so many more questions. Um, I'm. But, uh, I know. Yeah. I can. I can. I can <laughs> hang. I love. To, I love. Honestly, <laughs> I, I love talking about all this stuff, and it's like, um, it's because it, it's fun to me. I think yeah. that's the piece, right? Like, this is the game of it, and you know, and you know, this is what drives me to wake up in the morning and get excited about what I'm doing. And it's, yeah. um, no, it's amazing. And that's, and that's, that's what, and I love the focus on humanity and the humans that are both working to, to build the brand, but also the humans that are, that are going to be ultimately the people using it. Um, yeah. but I see Amanda, our engineer, like, I can I've see enough, it says I'm staff enough. is typing. Yep. Um, Okay. Um, Alex, how do people yes. find you if they need you? Sure. Um, personally, if you want to follow um, my life, um, <laughs> it's at the Alex Center on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow Center the Design Studio, that is Pete, Ashley, Andrew, Alex, Kevin, <laughs> Ellie, and Liz. Um, we are at Center B K L Y N. Uh, if you work for Facebook and you're listening, um, and I, uh, there's someone that has the at center handle. Uh, they've and never posted it? a single post. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, there's only two options here. There's either you can potentially help us um, or I can track down that person and have them murdered. Um, and those are the two options. So Amazing. if you want uh, to not have any you know, blood on your hands, um, <laughs> Facebook uh, representatives, please reach out to me. And I'd love to. There are a lot of Facebook reps that listen to In the Sauce. but <laughs> Are, are, they, are yeah. they actively In the Sauce? Tons um, of them, yes. Oh, good. Right. Well, they, um, you know, I need their help. So uh, the Alex Center and Center Brooklyn um, on, on, on all platforms. Thank you so much for coming. Um, so much My fun. Pleasure. Thank I you could so much listen for forever. Amanda, sorry for running over. Thank you for being the best engineer. And I will be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.